Welcome to episode 76 of the Bobtober series of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. Dark poetry and darker metal. Yes, that's what you have to look forward to in this episode. Poems by Robert E. Howard, H.P. Lovecraft, Emily Dickinson, and Edgar Allan Poe. Turn down the lights. Get cozy and prepared to get creeped the fuck out. Yes, indeed. These poems are gnarly. I chose them just because of that, kind of the scariest poems I could think of and find. To add to your terror, interspersed between the poems are songs by Sao Paulo, Brazil's Goddesses of Gore, Nervosa. This band is so goddamn good. Just, I can't wait for you to hear the songs by this band that are going to be in this episode. They are definitely one of my favorite metal bands going today. They appear in this episode, by the way, courtesy of Napalm Records. Napalm Records has a ton of great stuff, including Nervosa, so check them out. Details will be at the end of the episode on how you can do just that. There are going to be a total of six poems I'll be reading to you myself in this episode. Let's get straight to the... Fear of the Episode! Yes, the Bobtober beer of the episode is the Plan 9 Alehouse Crispy Business, a 5% alcohol by volume, crispy American lager that is perfect for these crisp fall days. Ha ha. Let's try this one out and see if it has any business being a beer of the episode on a Bobcast. That is good. Very crisp, just like, just as advertised. Definitely as advertised. Crisp, refreshing. Very clean tasting. Ooh, I like it. And it's got that little tiny bite that Plan 9, a lot of Plan 9's beers have that I really, really love. Yes, very, very good. Oh, I lo- I, this definitely has business on a Bobcast, especially during Bobtober. B-B-B-B-B. Jesus Christ. Bees everywhere. It's like Winnie the Pooh opened his cupboards and exposed all the honey, all the bees. Can- Whatever. You can enjoy this fine beer and many other fine beers from Plan 9 Alehouse at, guess where? Plan 9 Alehouse, they are located at 155 East Grand Avenue in downtown Escondido, California. You can call Plan 9 at 760-489-8817 or check out Plan 9 Alehouse on the web at www.plan9alehouse.com. Plan 9 Alehouse, beer for the people, especially this person, me, Bob. Here we go. Let's kick this whole thing off with a song by Nervosa. Every song in this episode is by Nervosa, by the way. This one is called Horror Dome, and it is off of the 2018 masterpiece of a record, Downfall of Mankind. Enjoy.
Are you ready for some poetry? Do you frighten easily? Well, good. Prepare to be scared. Have you ever heard of Conan the Barbarian? Well, our first poet was the creator of Conan and an all-around amazing author and poet, Robert E. Howard of Cross Plains, Texas. Howard's a very interesting person, kind of a mama's boy in some ways, but he was also this kind of tough guy, this boxing fanatic. He was raised in a very rough part of Texas, a lot of oil fields, that type of thing in the early 1900s. Howard was born in 1906 and died by his own hand at the age of 30 in 1936. Howard's mother had tuberculosis most of her life until she fell into a coma from which she would not recover in 1936. When Howard found out she wasn't going to make it, he left his mother's side, walked out to his car, and shot himself in the head. Wow. Robert E. Howard was one of H.P. Lovecraft's pen pals, and like Lovecraft, much of his work was published by the pulp magazine Weird Tales. Success only came to Howard after his death, and he is credited with creating the sword and sorcery genre of fantasy fiction. Check out Robert E. Howard's horror fiction. It's fucking great. Absolutely great. Very Lovecraftian in nature. It, almost like he really kind of stole the way he said things, that type of thing, from H.P. Lovecraft. But it's still truly great. Here's our first poem of the episode by Robert E. Howard, titled Dead Man's Hate. They hanged John Farrell in the dawn amid the marketplace. At dusk came Adam Brand to him and spat upon his face. Ho neighbors all, spake Adam Brand, see ye John Farrell's fate. Tis proven here a hempen noose is stronger than man's hate. For heard ye not John Farrell's vow to be avenged upon me? Come life or death, see how he hangs high on the gallows tree. Yet never a word the people spoke in fear and wild surprise, for the grisly corpse raised up its head and stared with sightless eyes. And with strange motions, slow and stiff, pointed at Adam Brand and clambered down the gibbet tree the noose within its hand. With gaping mouth stood Adam Brand like a statue carved of stone, till the dead man laid a clammy hand hard on his shoulder bone. Then Adam shrieked like a soul in hell. The red blood left his face, and he reeled away in a drunken run through the screaming marketplace. And close behind, the dead man came with a face like a mummy's mask, and the dead joints cracked and the stiff legs creaked with their unwanted task. Men fled before the flying twain or shrank with bated breath, and they saw on the face of Adam Brand the seal set there by death. He reeled on buckling legs that failed, yet on and on he fled. So through the shuddering marketplace, the dying fled the dead. At the riverside fell Adam Brand with a scream that rent the skies. Across him fell John Farrell's corpse, nor ever the twain did rise. There was no wound on Adam Brand, but his brow was cold and damp, for the fear of death had blown out his life as a witch blows out a lamp. His lips were writhed in a horrid grin like a fiend's on Satan's coals, and the men that looked on his face that day, his stare still haunts their souls. 
Such was the fate of Adam Brand, a strange, unearthly fate. For stronger than death or hempen noose are the fires of a dead man's hate. Let's hear it for Robert E. Howard. He could write, there's absolutely no question to me. The Robert E. Howard Conan stuff is absolutely incredible, as is his horror writing. Check it out if you can. Next is a poem by the father of modern horror, H.P. Lovecraft. Yes, the H.P. Lovecraft. If you've read a Stephen King book, you can kind of thank Lovecraft for that. That's generalizing quite a bit on my part, or is it? Is it? I think Lovecraft's reach spans a hundred years worth of horror fiction. His influence on the entire world of horror, especially horror fiction stories, is 100% undeniable. H.P. Lovecraft was born in the year 1890, and he died of cancer in the year 1937. That was just a year after Robert E. Howard committed suicide. I never really caught that. That's very interesting. Here is H.P. Lovecraft's poem, Halloween in a Suburb, followed immediately by the Nervosa song, Vultures. The steeples are white in the wild moonlight, and the trees have a silver glare. Past the chimneys high, see the vampires fly, and the harpies of upper air that flutter and laugh and stare. For the village dead to the moon outspread, never shone in the sunset's gleam, but grew out of the deep that the dead years keep, where the rivers of madness stream down the gulfs to a pit of dream. A chill wind weaves through the rows of sheaves in the meadows that shimmer pale, and comes to twine where the headstones shine and the ghouls of the churchyard wail for harvests that fly and fail. Not a breath of the strange gray gods of change that tore from the past its own can quicken this hour when a spectral power spreads sleep over the cosmic throne and looses the vast unknown. So here again stretched the veil and plain that moons long forgotten saw, and the dead leap gay in the pallid ray sprung out of the tomb's black maw to shake all the world with awe. And all that the morn shall greet forlorn the ugliness and the pest of rows where thick rise the stones and brick shall someday be with the rest and brood with the shades unblessed. Then wild in the dark let the lemurs bark and the leprous spires ascend for new and old alike in the fold of horror and death are penned for the hounds of time to rend.
Nervosa, what did I tell you? So incredible, so fucking brutal too. Speaking of brutal, next up are two poems by Emily Dickinson. Hang on a sec. Emily Dickinson, brutal? Well, in fact, many of Emily Dickinson's poems were about death. So yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. That's pretty metal right there, I think. Emily Dickinson was born in the year 1830 and died of Bright's disease at the age of 55 in 1886. She is known as one of the most important figures in American poetry. Let's find out why with two poems by Dickinson. First is Because I Could Not Stop for Death. And right after that is the poem I Felt a Funeral in My Brain. Right after these two poems is the Nervosa song Kill the Silence. Here we go. Because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. The carriage held but just ourselves in immortality. We slowly drove, he knew no haste, and I had put away my labor and my leisure too for his civility. We passed the school where children strove at recess in the ring. We passed the fields of gazing grain. We passed the setting sun. Or rather, he passed us. The dews drew quivering and chill. For only gossamer my gown, my tippet, only tool. We paused before a house that seemed a swelling of the ground. The roof was scarcely visible, the cornice in the ground. Since then, tis centuries, and yet, feel shorter by the day, I first surmised the horses' heads were toward eternity. I felt a funeral in my brain and mourners to and fro, kept treading, treading till it seemed that sense was breaking through. And when they all were seated, a service, like a drum, kept beating, beating, till I thought my mind was going numb. And then I heard them lift a box and creak across my soul. With those same boots of lead again, then space began to toll. As all the heavens were a bell and being but an ear, and I and silence, some strange race wrecked solitary here. And then a plank in reason broke, and I dropped down and down, and hit a world at every plunge, and finished knowing then.
Dickinson wrote some pretty dark poems, right? Heavy, very heavy, just like Nervosa, hence the metal tie-in, I think. I, I, I am a genius. Thank you. Next up is Edgar Allan Poe. Is there a greater writer and poet of terror, the unknown, the macabre, in all of history? Poe was the originator of all things horror in American literature, I believe. He set the stage for Lovecraft and so many more to come through the years. Poe does have a very tragic story, just like so much of his writing. Poe was born in 1809. He died in Baltimore, Maryland of unknown causes at the age of 40 in 1849. Poe was orphaned at the age of two was said to suffer from gambling, alcohol, and drug addiction his entire life. But goddamn, he could write. Like all of the authors and poets in this episode so far, Poe did not achieve fame until after his death and died very young by today's standards. Very common thread here, right? First up from Poe, we have The Haunted Palace. Then immediately after that, what could be my finest hour on the Bobcast, a reading of... The Raven. In the greenest of our valleys, by good angels tenanted, once a fair and stately palace, radiant palace, reared its head. In the monarch thought's dominion, it stood there, never seraph spread a pinion over fabric half so fair. Banners yellow, glorious golden, on its roof did float and flow. This, all this, was in the olden Time long ago, and every gentle air that dallied in that sweet day, along the ramparts plumed and pallid, a winged odor went away. Wanders in that happy valley, through two luminous windows saw spirits moving musically to a lute's well-tuned law. Round about a throne where sitting, Porphyrogene in state his glory well befitting the ruler of the realm was seen. And all with pearl and ruby glowing was the fair palace door, through which came flowing, 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 and sparkling evermore, a troop of echoes whose sweet duty was but to sing in voices of surpassing beauty the wit and wisdom of their king. But evil things in robes of sorrow assailed the monarch's high estate. Ah, let us mourn, for never morrow shall down upon him desolate." And round about his home the glory that blushed and bloomed is but a dim-remembered story of the old time entombed. And travelers now within that valley, through the red-litten windows, see vast forms that move fantastically to a discordant melody. While like a ghastly rapid river through the pale door, a hideous throng rush out forever and laugh but smile no more. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door, only this, and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December." and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow, from my books surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. 
And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before. So that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door." Some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door? This it is, and nothing more. Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore. But the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door. Darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there, wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore, merely this, and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning, soon again I heard a tapping somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see then what thread is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore, Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven. Ghastly, grim, and ancient raven, wandering from the nightly shore, tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning little revelancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door. Bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door with such a name nevermore. But the raven sitting lonely on the placid bust spoke only that one word as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing farther than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before, on the morrow he will leave me as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken, doubtless, said I, what it utters is only stock and store, caught from some unhappy master whose unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore, Till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, nevermore. But the raven still beguiling all my fancy into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of the bird and bust and door. Then upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore 
What this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore. This I sat engaging and guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining, on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated over, but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating over she shall press, ah, nevermore. Then, methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thy God hath lent thee by these angels. He hath sent thee respite, respite, and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh, quaff this kind nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil... Whether tempest sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, Tell this sore with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels named Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels named Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked upstarting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore, Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of palace just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming. And the lamplight over him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. Well, there you go. Maybe this should be a new tradition on the Bobcast. Every Halloween or Bobtober. A spooky poetry and metal episode? Hey, let me know what you think. I'm not so sure this one was kind of a pain in the ass reading all that poetry, though I will say for sure I loved every second of figuring out what poems to use and actually reading the poetry, though not reading it on a podcast kind of thing. Yeah, it was a pain in the ass. Thank you to all the authors of the poems in this episode wherever they may be. Hmm, yes. A huge thanks to Napalm Records and Nervosa. Fucking Nervosa. They are my new jam. They are so, so good. Napalm Records does have a ton of great releases from bands like Nervosa. Many other bands. Check out Napalm Records at www.napalmrecordsamerica.com where you can find so much incredible music. Check it out. Links will be on this episode's page on the Bobcast website as well. Thank you for listening. Please, I do have to say this. Please, please, please join my Patreon. The website address for that is 
www.patreon.com forward slash I want to party with Bob. Also, please subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Here is Nervosa with one last song, Guided by Evil. This song is off of Nervosa's forthcoming record, Perpetual Chaos. That record is going to be out on January 22nd of 2021 worldwide. Thanks again for listening. Here's Nervosa. <laughs>